Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington. And today we're going to talk with uh, some folks who are starting volunteers in medicine in Monroe County. Mary Catherine Carmichael cannot be here with us today, but I have three guests in the studio. Dr. Raj Hadawi is chairman of the board of volunteers in medicine in Monroe County. Dr. Eric Bannock is the, the medical director for the clinic. And Renee DeWitt is Director of Community Health for Bloomington Hospital. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. And welcome to all three of you. Thank you. Thanks for, Thank you. Thanks for being here with us today. This is uh, – we've written about this in the newspaper and, and hopefully some many of our listeners will have heard about the – the plans for the clinic, and we can fill in any blanks if they have, or if they haven't heard about it, they'll hear about it today. Uh, but it's one of the most exciting projects I can imagine for Monroe County, and I've been here a long time. Now, I've seen a lot of good things happen, but this is uh, this is something that uh, I I feel very supportive of, and I think it's just an amazing project because it's going to bring health care to a lot of folks who can't really afford good, high-quality health care now. Dr. Hadawi, could you sort of explain what volunteers in medicine will bring to Monroe County and how it got started. Good afternoon. Thank you, Bob, and thank you for WFIU inviting the Volunteer in Medicine to represent the cause. The Volunteer in Medicine is a new concept of providing health care to the uninsured poor individual in our area. The concept uh, relies entirely on two principles, volunteerism first and number two, philanthropy. The majority of the service will be rendered by medical and lay volunteers. That means we're involving physicians, nurses, nurse practitioners, dentists, psychiatrists, social workers, etc. And there will be a room for the lay volunteers to help us out and reach out for the community to notify them we are here, we like to serve them. Also, they will be the greeters in the clinic. They will be the people who answer the telephone, people who help us administer the clinic. And the third item of the volunteer, which is extremely important going to be in this uh, clinic, is the education part. We are establishing essentially a medical center of a primary care in nature, which will provide the health care, treatment, and the wellness program. That include dietitians, whether it is a classes for the diabetic or for the obese, for the hypertensive. So we think we are bringing an outstanding program, rely on the community, for the community, by the support of the community. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'm not sure which of the three of you would be the best to answer this question, but um, I'd like for you to sort of get into the what's the need. Uh, you know, we we talk about the healthcare delivery and how a lot of people are either uninsured or they're being you know left behind and they can't get the high quality care. But in a community like Monroe County and Bloomington, we like to think that we're you know a, a fairly um, well off community. I guess. Um, can you sort of uh, frame the need for a clinic like this? How many people don't have? a a good physician, a good place to go, a good medical plan. Um, I'll I'll go ahead and take this. Um, Again, thanks again Uh uh, for having us today. Um, uh, I'm Dr. Eric Bannock. I I practice internal medicine in the community. We we have estimated that there's probably, at this point in time, about 21,000 uninsured individuals in in Monroe and Owen County. And... um, and by uninsured, um, yeah, certainly there's a certain percentage of those people that, that can afford health care, but there's also a certain percentage that can't. Um, and, and, and so – and then, of course, when you go below that level, there, there's Medicaid that, that then kicks in for people uh, who are below a certain poverty level. Uh, so essentially what we're trying to do is we're trying to help those individuals who don't have health insurance, who can't afford health insurance. Typically these people, uh, and, and I know this uh, uh, from experience, they don't see the doctor until they have a catastrophic problem in, in most instances. And I often see this in the emergency room because that's where I spend a lot of my time uh, working uh, when I'm on call. I often see patients who have had 
diabetes or hypertension or high cholesterol or, sm- or who smoke, who don't take care of themselves, who over time these, these chronic problems build up and eventually they present with a heart attack or a stroke. It's usually catastrophic in the sense that um, – um, they uh, then uh, they lose the job that they were working. The employer loses their employee. They now go into uh, the federal system where they're on Medicaid. Um, their children or their family goes on to welfare, and it's just a lose-lose situation. So there's a large population of people out there, the working poor, who can't who don't have health insurance and can't afford health insurance, and we're tr- and nothing's being done for them, and we're trying to answer that. And we're trying to help those people. Okay. Now I want to bring Renee on because Bloomington sure. Hospital has a, a very strong commitment to helping this project. Could you talk about that? Certainly. Um, and I'll start actually with the CHAP um, clinic because actually our um, Monroe County and Bloomington, they, we have a strong history of collaboration. So I feel we kind of have a step ahead of other communities that might be starting from scratch. The CHAP clinic, which has served the uninsured and been in collaboration really with the, the county and the United Way Agency and Bloomington Hospital and others. Uh, for about 13 years, and we see approximately, um, oh, 1,500 patients, but there are so many more. And so it's a nice start and approach, and it's been a great collaboration, but we know there, the need is so great that we need to address this in a much bigger way. And so um, the hospital, when um, talking with this large group of um, community members making up the medical community, the faith community, um, local business people, United Way agencies, um, came together to talk about starting the volunteer medicine program, we thought this would be a great evolution to build on top of what CHAP has, but do it in, in such a, um, a bigger way. And um, I know Bloomington Hospital, we're strongly committed to this. Um, we're going to be um, providing the location at Miller Drive 333 East Miller Drive. Um, also, three paid staff members and um, donating all the lab and diagnostic um, services and, of course, the charity care for inpatient care, too. So I, I, we have a strong commitment to this cause. Now, I would assume that a lot of the patients that you're going to see at the clinic mm-hmm. will be patients who may have ended up in the emergency room. Is that correct, yeah. Dr. Hadai? The answer is yes, and we have some numbers to share with you. In the year 2005, we have approximately 9,500 visits for non-emergency cases. We call it low acuity. It is for the people who has no insurance, and they fall in the category of 200% of poverty level and below. These people, we could serve them in the volunteer and medicine clinic. We do feel that we not only provide a continuous care for them because the emergency room is kind of immediate care, but we could follow them up. We could give them more diagnostic measures and figure out the continuity of care. So 9,500 visits represent better than 4,000 patients who saw the emergency room in 12 months period. In addition to that, we are in a better position to provide medications, which very difficult for them to get it otherwise. And hopefully by us appearing today on your program, that we will be able to reach out to whoever listened to us whether themselves or they know somebody else, in order to let them know that we are going to be present very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are so many different things I want to. Uh, we'll be getting into here in a few minutes, but I do want to make sure that our listeners know they can join us on the program because there may be a lot of people out there who feel like the clinic could serve them. And if they have questions, this is a great time for them to get those questions answered. So the phone numbers again, in Bloomington, 855-0811, outside of the Bloomington area, 877-285-9348, and noon at indiana.edu. Uh, for me, the big you know, number one benefit for this is just allowing people who don't have health care to get health care. But there's, there are other economic benefits for the community. For instance, when you were mentioning the number of patients that are being seen in the emergency room for the uh, non-emergency visits, that has a a large impact, Renee, correct, Mm -hmm. on the bottom line for the hospital. How much care does the hospital estimate that it provides that it really has no chance of getting reimbursement for? Um, Well, I know for the... um 
just the population for the for the CHAP clinic last year, that that care and that included the medical care too was about a million dollars. Um, but I know that there's a there's a larger figure for the unreimbursed charity care for the hospital. What is it? Um, mm-hmm. In the same period which we mentioned in the year 2005, the hospital wrote off $4.9 million. Uh, that is an emergency room services alone did not include the people who've been hospitalized. Mm-hmm. And the other staggering thing about the losses, the cost to the hospital increased 50 percent on these patients within three years period. Mm -hmm. The number does not back that up, number of patients. However, the services being rendered is staggering because of the complexity of the patients who are coming to be seen even for small things. So it is a kind of domino effect. Mm-hmm. And I think to kind of build off something that Dr. Bannock had talked about with the um, kind of the catastrophic care, one thing that we're excited about doing for volunteer in medicine is providing more with prevention so that um, right now the majority of the care you might um, see would be for people with multiple chronic conditions, but if we're hoping to avoid those. So it's um, sometimes that's an estimate of what you might be spending in the future, mm-hmm. um, but also it's just it's the quality of life issue of being able to avoid disease. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we're talking with uh, three people who are involved with Volunteers in Medicine in Monroe County, Dr. Raj Hadawi, Dr. Eric Bannock, and Renee DeWitt from Bloomington Hospital. Um, we have our first phone call today, so let's go to Valerie. Valerie? Um, yeah, hi. Hi. Uh, first of all, I'd like to to extend an enormous thank you to anyone and everyone who's willing to volunteer their time and services for a program like this. Um, I've been without health insurance ever since I uh, had to leave a full-time job at Indiana University, ironically for health reasons, and um, have been a patient at the CHAPS Clinic since it uh, opened to Owen County residents. I guess I just have a few general questions. Um, I just, you know, having been in CHAPS, and by the way, I just want to applaud that program. It's been uh, enormously helpful to me. Um, How, just generally speaking, will eligibility and services for people who've been in CHAPS compare to this program, specifically with, uh, well, I think the the woman from the hospital answered my question about lab work and that, that the Bloomington Hospital will donate those. But I've had to be referred to a couple of specialists through CHAPS, so that was a concern if that will be a possibility, and also um, availability of prescriptions through the indigent patient programs that the pharmaceutical companies All right. provide. We'll let, uh, let them answer those, and if you have any follow-up after that, we'll come back to you. Thank you. Dr. Hadawi? Majority of the CHAPS clinic will be enrolled in the volunteer in medicine. The people with insurance, Medicaid, will not. As far as medication, will continue to prescribe the medication from the indigent care uh, contribution of the pharmaceutical companies. Referral to, uh, to the specialist will be our next step. We have not ironed that yet in detail, but we know we have the support of the specialist However, that was not uh, what well, that is not confirmed as of this moment. Now, in terms of prescriptions, I've heard you speak before about this. There, there will be a a very very modest charge for the prescription. Is that correct? There will be a small handling fee, what we call it, for three dollars to bring the medication from the pharmaceutical companies or for the acutely ill patient. We pass the medication for them from the shelves. Uh, the $3 will cover just essentially mailing and paperwork. Mm-hmm. Okay. Valerie, any follow-up? Um, no, that mm-hmm. answers my questions. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks a lot for the call. 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area, and noon at indiana.edu. Um, I want to uh, to ask about eligibility. Uh, I know that that uh, you know, a lot of people are going to be eligible, but there are some guidelines. So who, who will be eligible for the program? Dr. Bannock? Um, the, the people that will be eligible are those that live in Monroe and Owen County, are residents of Monroe and Owen County, and um, who uh, do not have health insurance and who, who um, make 
uh, less than 200% of the federal poverty level. Okay. Now, Dr. Hidali, I saw you speak at Rotary this week, and, and one of the questioners was, a, was Charlotte Zitlow, who's Charlotte's very, uh, been very active and involved in trying to provide or help get programs to provide health care. And she asked you about, about the, uh, the threshold, the 200% of pro- poverty level, and she was suggesting, I think, that there may be other self-sufficiency levels that you could look at. And I thought your answer to that was very interesting. And I wish you would sort of explain, you know, how you arrived at the 200%, how that compares to other clinics, and what might happen in the future. Well, I actually uh, followed up on that question with some people who are much more informed than I am. And they have agreed with us that the 200% federal poverty level is adequate level to supply sufficient living in Monroe and Allen counties. Mm -hmm. So I'm very pleased with that confirmation. And number two, majority of the clinic around the country, which 50 of them now, the volunteer in medicine clinic, they do provide care to either the 200% level or much, much less. Mm-hmm. The, our uh, people, uh, friends in Columbus, I think they offer about 150%. Mm-hmm. The people in Fort Wayne, Indiana, about 125%. Uh, we feel very fortunate that we have enough volunteer and enough support of the community that we could offer the 200% level. Mm-hmm. And the people who don't know what the 200% federal poverty level categorize is, a family of four will be equal to $40,000 of gross income per year. So we're essentially talking about the working poor, mm-hmm. uh, the disabled, the most likely the unemployed will be maybe able to be enrolled in Medicaid. Mm-hmm. And by saying the working poor, and I hope the people who listen to us, they understand that we are talking about small businesses, independent contractors, and we will be in to help these people. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, again, 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu. If you have any questions about the volunteers in medicine uh, of Monroe County, uh, the new program that's going to be starting uh, soon, and we'll get into some of those details before the end of, of our hour as well. Dr. Bannock, um, as medical director, um, what, will you, what will you do? How will you organize this, this new clinic? Um, uh, at, at this point in time, a lot of the organization is, is certainly being done by the community, by Raj, by different committees. Um, I'll, I'll take that question a little bit further. Uh, how will we start seeing patients? Mm-hmm. Um, certainly right now, a, a big issue is... Uh, awareness in the community. Uh, we're having a lot of help from the newspaper. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of help um, uh, from Bloomington Hospital, from the people that are already uh, going to CHAPS. And then we have, uh, we have name lists from people that actually go to the emergency room who fit this criteria. Um, we have a, we're getting a lot of help from the, the, the uh, faith-based um, uh, uh, sector in the community. Um, and we have a we have a committee right now that's 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 helping us uh, get the word out. Um, uh, at, uh, right now in Chaps, uh, and Chaps will essentially morph into this clinic. Right now at Chaps, we have a full time nurse practitioner who's seeing patients, uh, who's seeing patients for uh, physicals, for identifying uh, health problems, uh, whether it be diabetes or high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Um, and, um, and and then starting treatment on, on those regimens uh, to, to treat those diseases. Um, at this point in time, uh, of course, we uh, we s- uh, figure that there'll be. We're hoping to serve a large percentage of, of these people, maybe maybe ten or fifteen thousand people that mm-hmm. that will show up eventually to be seen in the clinic. In order to do that, we're going to need a lot of manpower. Mm-hmm. Um, we, at this point in time, have a list of primary care um, uh, uh, volunteers, and that list is now – and that includes MDs, uh, nurse practitioners, and dentists. Um, and that list, uh, I think, is at 110 uh, providers. We also have a list of psychiatric um, and, and psychiatrists and psychologists from the Center for of Behavioral Health uh, 
and um, and I'm not sure if uh, we actually have that list, but I think there may be another 20 or 30 providers mm -hmm. uh, from that aspect. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, there are the specialists that we'll be going out to see. Okay. Well, I've got a call I'm going to get to in just a minute, but I want to sort of follow up and say, okay, I'm a, I'm a listener out there, and I'm – you know, I've just turned 50 years old, and I haven't been feeling particularly good, and I, I sound, sounds like I qualify for this. So once the clinic is open, uh, I can just – I could come in and say, I'd really like a, a physical. You know, sure. I need to figure out what's going on with sure. me, and hopefully I can stop right. something before it gets too bad. Right. And, and, and in essence, a patient uh, can just walk into our clinic. Mm -hmm. They may not know if they qualify or not. There will be people who uh, – certainly if somebody comes in and they're acutely ill, we will render care and not ask questions mm -hmm. uh, until after the care is rendered and we have that person stabilized. Um, uh, but in that process, though, eventually we will, we will uh, receive uh, information about their, their financial background and see if they meet the, the, the criteria for being less than 200 percent of the federal poverty level, mm -hmm. that they don't have insurance, that they're, they're residents of Monroe and Owen County. And, um, and if they meet the criteria, then, then we'll get them into the clinic um, officially. If we find out they, they qualify for Medicaid or other benefits, then we will make sure that the next necessary steps are taken. Mm -hmm. Okay. But once, once I, you've established that I do qualify, then essentially I have a, a physician who's going to do my physical, make recommendations, and would be my primary care physician? Right. Just, just as if uh, you were insured and you were going into a doctor's office. You would be assigned a physician and, um, and uh, you would meet with that physician and the health care would be no different than what happens in, in my clinic. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. We have a phone call. Let's go to Catherine. Catherine? Um, hi. When I first read about this uh, project in the paper, I was just thrilled. There, I'm not a medical, I'm not in the medical profession, um, but I just, there's a lot of us in the community that aren't, that have other talents and skills that are real concerned about the, the health care situation um, in the country and, you know, Monroe County in particular. And I was wondering what opportunities there might be for non-medical professionals, but maybe we have skills in other areas, to volunteer or help out with your efforts. I think Dr. Hadawi is glad you asked that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for calling us because we do have a list, what we call it lay volunteers, and we are looking in the range of 300 volunteers per month. We actually would like to divide them into six per shift, which is two shifts a day. What we're looking at is a list of people who have culture of caring and heart to provide this clinic. We're looking for greeters in the clinic. We're looking for somebody to answer the telephone, make appointments, remind the patients the day before about their appointments. And if they have some difficulty and able to come, we try to reach out for transportation if it is difficult or something else. And we have some people who are sitting there to call back if they did not show up to find out why they did not. We are looking for people to escort the patient from the examining room to the waiting room and in the reverse. We have a program which we are going to be very glad to say it is fitness and wellness program since majority of the people who are candidate to be served here, they are in need of that as part of their health care. And we are well prepared for that. We have dietitians, we have trainers, we have counseling to help them out with and indeed there is a program might be a fitness within the clinic itself. We're going to need some uh, smart people to work on computer interdata of our patient into the database. We're going to need some people who help us to fill forms to qualify the individual for the enrollment in the clinic or to submit that form to a pharmaceutical company to qualify them for uh, drug supplies, or let me correct that, medication supply. We're going to need an interpreters. Some folks around here, they speak in different uh, language than the English, and we'll love to have as many of those as we can. And in addition, we were going to need miscellaneous work in the clinic. Occasionally, we may need a transportation volunteer. 
All right, Catherine. That, yeah, and, is and, there and, a website or um, phone number, or, or how can potential volunteers uh, uh, get information about uh, getting on the list or volunteering? I am so glad you asked that question. <laughs> we have, if you could remember this or you write it, it's saying VIM, stand for Volunteer in Medicine, VIMMonroeCounty.org, should be ready and running in 10 days from now. The latest will be Christmas Day, and it has a click. You tap on that, and you put your name as a volunteer, and we'll be more than happy to put you in our database. And when the clinic about to open, there will be a training session, and we'll call on the various individual with their various talent to be oriented. All right, Catherine, it sounds like Great. there are lots of, opportunity, so lots of opportunities for you. Yes, indeed. Thank you. All right. Thanks very much for the call. 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu. We've hit uh, time for our break, but we're talking today with uh, a group of folks from Volunteers in Medicine of Monroe County. You're listening to Noon Edition, and we'll be right back. Listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage, using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2 owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, classic bungalow-inspired architecture in the Bryan Park neighborhood of Bloomington, www.southdunnstreet.info. We invite you to visit our website at wfiu.indiana.edu. You can find detailed listings of the programming on WFIU and a calendar of arts and public service events going on throughout our community. That's wfiu.indiana.edu. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times in Bloomington, along with my three guests today who are representing Volunteers in Medicine of Monroe County. Dr. Raj Hadali, who's chairman of the board of Volunteers in Medicine of Monroe County. Dr. Eric Bannock, who's medical director of the clinic, which is going to be opening uh, very soon, early in 2007, uh, hopefully. And Renee DeWitt, who's director of community health for Bloomington Hospital, which is one of the uh, significant partners in this project. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348, and you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Uh, Dr. Hidalia, I guess I, I said that you'll be open early in 2007. I don't want to overstate the case. Uh, what's your time, time frame? Our time frame initially was July 1, but with the significant support we are receiving from our medical community, lay community, and the business world, and we have to be very grateful to the Cook Group who made significant financial contribution and support in varieties of service and, com- and committees, etc. And with all these pieces in a place, we are very proud to say that we are rolling up the opening of the clinic to be the third week of April. That will coincide what is nationally known to be the uninsured week. And what a better gift to our community than to open a clinic for the people who do not have the insurance. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned uh, Cook's financial contribution and and, and many other contributions, but how is the clinic financed? How much uh, funding do you need to guess, get it started, and then then operationally, what do you think you'll need per year to keep it running? The clinic is very expensive, but at the same time is very cheap (laughs) due to volunteerism and philanthropy. The clinic will have a budget of about $9 million a year, but indeed, real cash, it needs less than half a million dollars. And our budget for three years is $1.5 million, and we are adding the Cook contribution to that. 
Bloomington Hospital recently have a gala, and the receipt of the gala will be allocated to the volunteer in medicine, and we are very glad about that. Uh, the community at large has been sending us checks through the Bloomington Hospital Foundation for the benefit of the volunteer in medicine, and it comes in different sizes, and we are very grateful on that. Our uh, board has decided that we have to succeed financially, and they are planning not to open the door in April of 07 until we have in our budget $1.5 million to sustain our operation for three years. Mm -hmm. They think the alternative to success is not thinkable. Mm -hmm. How close are you to that? We are about 50 cents on the dollar now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you got a little bit of work to do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. We have a phone call. Let's go to John. John? Hello? Hello. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe was it Renee? Yes. Uh, You might be the best person to answer this one or or whoever feels they can best feel it. Um, I'm not quite familiar with the current uh, poverty level, and so I'm not quite sure what for a single person 200% would be roughly. And my uh, son cohabitates with his girlfriend. Um, how would his eligibility be um, calculated? Would it be household, or if they're not uh, married, would it just be based on his? Because uh, he works hard, but I don't know if he makes uh, more than that amount that uh, of two hundred percent. Well, I can give you. Um, I do have the poverty levels in front of me, and for a, a household of one person, that annual income is nineteen thousand six hundred. Okay. And if they um, do um, consider the two, even though um, they are not married, um, twenty six thousand four hundred. Okay, so they would they would count it as two. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, because I was wondering how it was going to work. Um, so, so is he well, eligible? Believe, no, believe me, he works real hard, and he's not <laughs> eligible. But he doesn't make enough money to buy insurance either. Oh, okay. So he's right in that area, mm-hmm. that gray area, the kind of twenty to thirty thousand dollar range, and I'm not sure where he falls in that. Right. And believe me, by the time you get take the taxes out and and pay the bills. Uh, you don't have enough money to buy insurance. Well, Absolutely. Let, let me ask her, ask Dr. Hadawi. You know, you're you're going to walk before you run, but I I would assume you'll continue to keep monitoring these poverty levels and looking at serving as many people as you can serve as the clinic gets going. The federal poverty level is changing number, mm-hmm. and in the year 2007 we will have another number. However, these numbers which we are talking about today is the 2006 level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these, I think these numbers are about 15 years behind the reality of what it takes to live in our society today. 19,000 probably ought to be the poverty level. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that that was the point that Charlotte was making at, at Rotary. But the uh, you know they have to pick pick a number, and 200 uh, percent of the poverty level is yeah. is is a. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty generous amount right. for starting. I, and I think we just actually spoke with uh, Barry Lesso, the executive director of United Way yesterday, and I know there's groups that study the sustainable living, and that's where that came out to. About 200 percent of um, above poverty is where um, people are starting not to be able to afford health care, maybe can afford housing and food, but that's kind of the, the point where health care is becoming, you know, difficult. Mm-hmm. All right, John, thanks a lot for Thank the call. You. All right, 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu. I want to go back to, uh, again, to sort of a, a beginning because, Dr. Hadawi, again, I've heard you talk about this before, and there are really three main components to putting this, this health clinic in place. Could you explain what those three things are? When the group sat together, they decided we should have a plan will follow to get us to success. And the initial thought is to have a three pillar of support of this program. The first pillar was identified to be a community healthcare hospital. And Bloomington Hospital is in the business of providing healthcare to the indigent for years. And it is a natural that they will be partner with us. When we have uh, approached the hospital. They were extremely supportive with one condition that we should look after the Chapa Clinic patient. 
And indeed, that is what's going to be the thing. So we brought the Bloomington Hospital as a first pillar. The second pillar came out from the medical community, and that is diverged community. We're talking about physicians. We're talking about nurse practitioner, nurses, dietitians, social worker, dentists, psychologists, etc. And I am so thrilled to be proud a member of the medical community as well as the hospital supporters, the medical community came along in different thoughts and different specialties and embraced this cause. And what Dr. Banning referred earlier, that we have at least 110 or more of various specialists in the medical field that say something about it. The two pillars, once they are in a place, we are ready to go to the community at large to ask them to be a partner with us in supplying us the lay volunteer, which we need about 300 of them per month. In addition, we need them to endorse this project, and the way to endorse it is not only to be proud of it alone, but hopefully they will step in and help us in financing this clinic for the three-year budget we mentioned earlier. Okay. We have a phone call. I believe it's uh, my favorite co-host, Mary Catherine. Hi, Bob. Hi, Mary Catherine. How are you? Hey. I'm sorry I couldn't be there today. Hey. I'm on my way to Cincinnati, and I'm in Greensburg, and you guys are coming in loud and clear. I'm enjoying the show. Great, great. Hey. Um, congratulations to everybody there, and uh, I think it's a great program. But I had a question. I'm wondering with the strict regulations uh, regarding confidentiality that HIPAA requires, um, the involvement of so many volunteers, it seems like kind of a, a nightmare thing to, to try to handle, and I wondered what their plans are for keeping within the HIPAA guidelines while utilizing so many volunteers. And I'll hang up and listen, and uh, see you next week, Bob. Okay. Thanks for the call. All right. Who wants to handle that one? That's an excellent question. It is an excellent question. an excellent co-host. Challenging. (laughs) Absolutely a challenging question for us. And there will be a signature from the patient to okay for us to treat them. That obviously does not alleviate our responsibility. Our orientation of the volunteer, let's specific about the lay volunteer first because they are not medical and they have no clue what HIPAA plan is. There will be tremendous time spent to organize the volunteers to understand the very spirit of the confidentiality of the medical care. As far as the volunteer medicals, a lot of them, they already know that, and we are trusting that this is going to be the case delivered and everybody will be assured that the news of the clinic will not go outside. Is that immune? Of course not. But we have to do the best we know how. Mm-hmm. Dr. Bannock, anything to add to that? Well, in, in essence, when you come into a clinic, for instance, at, at where I work at Internal Medicine Associates or the hospital, uh, we, we're often uh, taking care of patients that, uh, that we have met maybe two hours earlier for the first time. And so we share patients and, uh, and uh, we, we, still, uh, we still operate within the walls of, of HIPAA and the regulations and, uh, and, and, and information is kept confidential. And that's, that's just the culture of the medical community. So uh, what happens in the hospital, what happens in, in large clinics, it's going to be no different at, at the Volunteers in Medicine Clinic. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu. And we have our first email of the day. It says, this expansion of community-based health care services will be a wonderful service to the many uninsured community members. In light of this grassroots local service support, how do you think the governor's current plans to privatize and turn Medicaid and other assistance programs away from a community-based service? Um, what do you think of that? The state's administration seems to be thinking in the opposite vein. Uh, anybody want to respond? The government of any level, whatever they come to help the citizens, is a wonderful thing to have. And the plan of the governor is going to touch lives of few, 
but there are a lot left outside that. Mm -hmm. And that is where we belong ourselves. Until a day, whether it is the state or the federal government, come and ensure us all, there will be a place for the community to provide the health care needed. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, you mentioned Columbus and Fort Wayne. Are those the, other, the only two other clinics in Indiana? Is Indianapolis have a clinic? Yeah, there is a large Indianapolis volunteer in medicine clinic with approximately six campuses owned and operated by Methodist Hospital. The oldest volunteer in medicine clinic in the state is located in Columbus, Indiana, and has been in existence since 1996. And the community there did what we have, what we are doing today. And indeed, we use them as a pilot and a project. We followed their steps in establishing ours. And for that, we are very grateful to all the support we received from the clinic itself or from the hospital foundation there. Mm-hmm. The a clinic, which is a very large one in the state, is a faith uh, based initially called uh, Matthew 25 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It is not on the volunteer in medicine principle. However, there is a larger budget. They have more full-time paid positions, but they do serve the same people we are serving. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have a phone call. Let's go to Steve. Steve? Yes. Hi. I just had a couple of questions here. wondered if the uh, volunteer hospital, are they surgeons and doctors on that? Is that all pro bono work for them? Dr. Bannock? The Well, of course, it's going to be a volunteer. This will be a volunteer clinic, not a volunteer hospital. Um, now, it, it, let's say, for instance, a patient comes in and uh, I identify the patient needs his, his or her gallbladder uh, removed. Mm-hmm. We will have a list of uh, specialists uh, who will be participating, and uh, the patient will then be uh, sent to that surgeon to have their, their gallbladder removed. Um, at this point in time, we're formulating, we're re- reaching out to the specialists and um, and at this point in time, the specialists do participate in the CHAPS uh, clinic. Uh, so, we, so we expect that th- there will be involvement. Certainly, if you come into the hospital acutely with a gallbladder, uh, you're, you, um, everyone is always taken care of. Yes, I understand that. But so the surgeons are not and doctors are not volunteering their fees. They're, they will be charging the volunteer people, the people that come to the volunteer clinic, correct? Uh, you know, I, I can't I can't say 100 percent correct or not correct because we haven't had dialogue with the specialty people okay. to really know exactly how they are going to at what level they're going to participate. There's okay. still a, a potential that they may give care free uh, f- for free. But okay. Steve, I think the physicians, if you walk into the clinic and you see a physician, that physician is giving his time. There'll be right. They get nothing for that. Correct. Right. And then also right. if you come to the hospital for that surgery, if you qualify for volunteer medicine clinic and our anticipation is that eligibility is going to be the same as the hospital's charity guidelines, then that the, the charges from the hospital, um, you would not be charged from the charges from the hospital for that surgery. So, But I know the major emphasis right now has been building that primary care um, network with the physicians and they're just now um, getting to the next phase two, which is the specialty care. Okay, and this addresses a, 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 quite a um, response earlier. They said that most of the people come to emergency uh, do not really need emergency, and it might be good to get up to the community the awareness that if they go to their primary care doctor, it could be cheaper. Uh, for example, a friend of mine had a bee sting, went to the emergency room, and it was 750 bucks. And if you go to your primary care doctor, it'd be like $65. So the community needs to know that it's really very, very expensive to go to the emergency room for non-emergency procedures. Uh, And maybe you could comment on that. And then then the second one is um, you can outsource outsource yourself. If you have high-cost emergency needs, a lot of people now are going to India and Thailand to world-class clinics to uh, get operations that are, uh, say, 25% of what they would cost in the United States. And maybe you could address that one also. Thank you. All right. Anybody want to address that? It's a little far afield from what we're talking about today. but mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think our population will be traveling to India for a surgery. <laughs> right. Um, um, 
I, I just, you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let, let's let that one sit. Sorry, sorry, Steve. Uh, we do have uh, another email. Um, seems that to me that this would be a great opportunity to merge as much as possible with the uh, alternative healthcare system. Growing cost of traditional health care in this country, unfortunately, excludes a growing number of people, including the previous caller's struggling son. Um, many types of alternative health care uh, are cheaper, proven in effectiveness, and focus on prevention and lifestyle, which seems to be the ticket out of this entangled health care situation. I hope this exciting new center embraces the opportunity to see this bigger picture. So it's really a comment. Anybody have any uh, response or reaction? Renee? Um, Certainly. And I know um, uh, we're always interested in looking at the complementary and alternative health care. I know that just some of the wellness that um, Dr. Hadawi was talking about with our fitness and wellness program and things that you can do with diet and that. But I imagine um, um, this writer may be talking about things such as acupuncture and other things. And I I would just tell you that we've got to have a place to start. And um, I think we can probably grow and expand in a lot of directions and um, interested in, in talking to anybody who's interested in right. uh, enhancing our services. Okay. 855-0811-877-285-9348 at noon at indiana.edu. We only have six or seven minutes left in the program. But if you have uh, further questions about volunteers in medicine in Monroe County, uh, you have just a little bit of time to get in. Um, I want to turn to, to Dr. Bannock uh, for a minute and just ask, again, as medical director, what, what do you need? What do you need to help make this clinic as successful as you can make it? What can the community do for you? Well, for, from my standpoint, what I need is I, 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 need, I need to get the message out for, uh, for more help from the medical standpoint. Uh, there are certainly plenty of other people involved that are that are helping from the volunteer standpoint and um, and uh, from the financial standpoint. But what specifically I need, and the thing to remember is, that Volunteers in Medicine was founded by an individual named Jack McConnell, he, uh, a retired cardiologist in uh, Hilton Head Island, uh, South Carolina. And so, certainly, uh, th- this volunteer spirit uh, with volu- with retired physicians would be wonderful. And if there are any retired physicians that are, have moved to the area, that would uh, still uh, enjoy practicing medicine in, in, in a in a uh, in a wonderful uh, in, uh, in a in a culture of caring, uh, and and definitely to individuals that need this type of care, I'm, I'm reaching out to you now to, to please contact us. Certainly, if there are other primary care physicians out there that just haven't gotten the, the word, uh, please contact us. We're looking for nurses, other nurse practitioners. And then certainly, as we take this into our next phase, when we, when we go uh, to the specialty areas, um, uh, we're reaching out to the specialists uh, to, to, to become actively involved in this process. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Hidawi is a retired physician, so he, you probably know a few of those. Mm-hmm. We're very fortunate. About 20% of the volunteer physicians so far are retired, mm-hmm. and they are really enthusiastic about being uh, paying back to the community what did the community support them during the years. I think the, what Eric said, the culture of caring, the culture treating people with dignity, with a pride is going to be a motivating factor to bring all these patients who are in need and stay in that clinic. I do believe and convinced that we're going to deliver a quality health care needed and with the culture of caring we are promoting, we should have a successful care for the individual who are in need. Now, in addition to all the volunteers, and you've listed a lot of volunteers, um, I believe there are you're planning on six full, or six paid employees of the clinic as well. I don't know that we went over that list, but on the sheet that you gave me, Dr. Hadawi, there's a clinic director, uh, volunteers, coordinator, social worker, clinic director, assistant, who you hope will be bilingual, part-time development director, and a pharmacy technician. Have those positions been filled or can people apply for those? We are currently looking for a clinic director. There are certain people being approached, but no final decision being made. The clinic director position is open. Anybody who is qualified to serve as a clinic director, in our case, either a nurse practitioner with experience in management or an RN with experience of management, please submit your application 
or click on vimmonroecounty.org when it starts in 10 days and let us know. We are indeed ready to put ad in the coming few days to look for volunteer director, anybody who has the experience in administering volunteer program and have in their heart the culture of caring, we would like to hear from them. These are the two principal ones for the clinic, the director of development being uh, advertised through the Bloomington Hospital Foundation. It is going to be either part-time or full-time. It depends on the uh, availability of that individual. Mm -hmm. The other three position is going to be looked after whenever we have the clinic director in a place and he or she will select these individuals. Okay. We have about a minute and a half to go, and I want to give uh, both Renee and and Dr. Hadawi the opportunity to answer the same question I I asked Eric. Um, So you have 45 seconds. Okay. (laughs) What what do you need? What would the hospital like to have for this clinic? You could cede your – you know, you can answer or give your time to Dr. (laughs) Hadawi. Well, actually, the the one piece that um, I'd like to look for is um, to work with other um, agencies in town to help remove barriers. And that's – I know we've been starting to do that with the outreach committee and talk to people that transportation is an issue. And so it's actually getting the people who need our care to our clinic and what are those barriers for them getting the care. And um, we'd like to continue to work with people who have ideas on how to to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Dr. Hadawi, you have about a minute. I'm convinced that we are able to deliver the health care needed. However, I'm not convinced that I do have the facility big enough to accommodate what other services we like to offer, which is the wellness, the education, and hopefully a full-time dental care into that clinic. The majority of the clinics around the country, they do offer dental care. Between 25 to 30 percent of the patients of these free clinics are dental care. And we are very glad we have two dozen of dentists now. They contribute to us by seeing these patients in their offices. But certainly I would like to see it part of the clinic and our clinic will be medical and dental clinic. Okay. All right. And we are out of time. Uh, we could have talked for another hour, I'm sure. That's right. I want to thank our, our three guests today, Dr. Raj Hadawi, Dr. Eric Fanick, and Renee DeWitt. They're all involved with the Volunteers in Medicine of Monroe County. And uh, that clinic, we hope, will be opening in April. Uh, for Catherine Hageman, our producer, and Mike Pashkash, our engineer, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times.